podcast fam, Mike Palmer is one of the founders of The Knot, a climbing gym right here in Gainesville, Florida that quietly opened their doors earlier this year. After the Gainesville Rock Gym closed due to structural issues with the foundation, Mike and his business partner, Mitchell Edens, worked for four years to get a Gainesville climbing gym open. They've tripped over countless business hurdles to get here and somehow managed to open the knot amidst a global pandemic. Their goal is to build a community around climbing with an eye on the future of the sport. Hear how he plans to climb to the top in this week's episode, episode 168 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is being brought to you because of my incredible friend, Taylor Williams. You guys, Taylor Williams is the creative director of Guts and Glory Creative Consulting. She helps companies improve their communication through coaching, workshops, and retreats. She also helps organizations look differently at problem solving through empathy, creativity, and innovative exploration. Taylor focuses on storytelling, branding, and relationships to advance company culture. Find out more by visiting visiting gutsandglorycreativeconsulting.com. Again, that's gutsandglorycreativeconsulting.com. She is also at the helm of Guts and Glory GNV, a live storytelling organization right here in Gainesville. It's awesome. Go check it out. And since Taylor has a passion for communication and public speaking, she's continuing to share her work in her first book that just came out. It's called Beyond the Words, How to Conquer Your Fear of Public Speaking and confidently share yourself with the world. That is like one of the top fears for a lot of people. So if you have a fear of public speaking, this is the book for you. You can get it and it's an incredibly long subtitle on Amazon, Kindle, and other places you get your books. The audio version of the book will also drop soon. Taylor, I love you. I'm grateful for your continuous support, for allowing me to speak in your podcasting class every semester. It's like one of the most fun things that I get to do. And uh, and just for being a great friend. So Taylor, thank you so much. And you guys, support my friend Taylor Williams. She's the best. Go check her out. Again, that was gutsandglorycreativeconsulting.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. You guys, today on the show, we have Mike Palmer, founder and CEO of The Not Climbing Gym. Mike, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited you're here. Thanks, Colin. Thanks for having me. This yeah. is awesome. Glad to glad to finally sit down with you. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, I always like to kind of hear, you know, the story, how things got kicked off. Uh, I've known you for a while. I know that you're in real estate as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I kind of want to hear, man, like, how did you get into all of this? Man, well, it's been kind of a long, crazy story. Um, I mean, I first got into climbing way back back when I was in Boy Scouts. I was 15 years old growing up in Texas. And, Where at in Texas? Uh, Amarillo. Okay. It's that top little square part, <laughs> yeah. the right center of that. And there's nothing else. Three to one cows to people there. Yeah, man. So I used to live in Clovis, New Mexico. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we had this, okay, yeah, this conversation yeah, before. No one else knows so where like, any of this is. That's places. where you would go to the you, airport. You'd go from, <laughs> if you live in Clovis, New Mexico, you drive like the two hours or whatever, whatever it was to Amarillo to go to the airport. Yeah, the best thing about Amarillo is trying to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's where you kind of got your. Uh, yeah, that's where I first climbing? got exposed to climbing. It was this really cool i was in boy scout troop and you know they uh they had access to that and then 
I picked that up and then I came to school at UF and got involved in the TRIP organization, which was to help kids kind of figure out how you get outside and help students lead trips outside. And with that came a membership to the climbing gym here. And this was uh, 2003-ish. Basically, once I got involved in climbing at the climbing gym, I gave up on everything else relating to school. I stopped doing anything else and spent like eight out of 10 weekends up in Chattanooga climbing instead of, you know, doing all this other kind of other things you're supposed to be doing in school and sort of transitioned into being a climbing hobo. Um, Everything kind of, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on with the gym. The gym had really become a home for me at that time. And like all good climbers, at some point you kind of decide, well, I can't live in Florida anymore and you want to move out to Colorado and you go get some experience out there. Um, a few years later, fast forward to, you know, climbing, taking me around the world and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I ended up back in Florida and I'd kind of heard that there was some issues with the other gym. Um, they had, a, some structural issues with the foundation and then some other complicating factors. And so the gym had closed down. Um, How long had that gym been around? Uh, That gym had been around since, I believe it was 2000. 99 or 2000 was around when they opened, and it was open until uh, December of 2015 when they found the issue with the foundation. Um, There was this group of people that were trying to get together and trying to figure out how to reopen and organize a gym, and I got involved with them. Um, It was kind of one of those funny situations of, you know, half the table was like, all right, who's got time to put into this? And I raised my hand and who's got a little bit of money to put into this? And the other half of the table raised their hand and I raised my hand. And so everybody looks at me as like, oh, you've got a little bit of time and money. So you go. (laughs) Um, And then after kind of working through that a little bit, that's when I got introduced to reintroduced to my partner in this, uh, Mitchell Edens. He's been huge. It's been awesome to have him as part of this. um, And I cannot understate his importance to this thing, helping get it set up and help uh, helping get us started. Um, He got involved with it. And, you know, the funny thing about Mitch is that we knew each other in college. We had one of my best climbing friends was one of his friends growing up. So we had this like mutual connection and then kind of reconnected around this gym thing. And, you know, we started kind of trying, this was December or this was in 2016, 2017, when we started getting everything back together again, started laying plans and really we're just trying to find places. So we spent about three years trying to find an actual place we could reopen the gym or even start a new one or do anything like that. And, you know, we looked at everything. Um, You know, we were definitely kind of that classic entrepreneur that you kind of see early on that's got the best ideas, but doesn't really have that experience to back it up. And so I think a lot of people were like, man, that's really cool. But do you know what you're doing at all? And we're like, (laughs) "Uh, (laughs) no, but we're going to figure it out. We've got other businesses and other things that we were doing. Um, and then, yeah, eventually f- through the process, kind of all the stuff that was going on with the old gym settled down and we heard it was coming up for sale. So we hopped on it, um, around that, not long before that I, I got my real estate license just for the sake of, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing. The real estate and the property for this thing was like the most important kind of key to making it happen. Wow. So So you literally got into real estate because of your passion for 
rock climbing and because you wanted to find a place and have just the real estate knowledge? Yeah, 100%. I, oh my God, I totally didn't know. I mean, I would have like, I would have thought that the real estate thing was like the full-time gig and that this was just, you know, uh, a side hustle, that passion that you were pursuing, but that's not the case at all. No, it kind of flipped. Um, I had, you know, prior to all of this stuff I had been doing in part of my climbing hobo lifestyle, I kind of, <laughs> I got to do this, uh, you know, the hashtag van life and everything and really get into that. I got into that scene really hard for a long time, lived out of the back of my truck while I was also doing internet marketing. I had built a few of my own websites that would generate referral income. I'd move people from Google to eBay and eBay would give me a couple bucks while I was hanging out climbing. I was, there was points in my life where I was making about a dollar an hour rock climbing, which, you know, not a ton, but when you're being a hobo living in the back of your truck, that, that makes a lot. That's a big difference. <laughs> um, so I did that for a while and then, um, you know, had kind of built up some passive income and, you know, that was going pretty well. And that's when we kind of... Passive income being what? The the websites? or Yeah, the websites and stuff. And so they were just generating a little bit of income for okay. me. And, you know, it was kind of something I was, I realized I didn't really love to do anymore. I didn't really like build, I mean, you had to keep maintaining it and had to keep on top of all the changes of everything going on. I mean, you know, with keeping on the changes with social media and oh, keeping yeah. up with search engine algorithms and having to constantly update your website and this kind of stuff. And I just kind of got tired of doing that a little bit. Um, that was, I don't know, I kind of went all over the place. I worked at a brewery for a while and then, you know, set out to go do this and then ended up back in Florida and was like, well, now what do I do? Um, and then we were going through this process, starting to set it up. And I was like, man, I, for what a realtor stands to make off of this property, I'm pretty good at test taking and I have time. So I might as well go ahead and get that taken That's care so of, get that out of the way. I don't know if I ever <laughs> would have been like, you know, let me get my real estate license. <laughs> yeah. I mean, All right, so, so you did. So I did, and, and that's and been pursued. a surprisingly lucrative career on the outside of this, but yeah, it's been cool. <laughs> so are you doing the commercial stuff, or is it, um, I mean, is it primarily residential, and then you, but you have the ability to do commercial, right? Yeah, yeah, I had big, I had a lot bigger aspirations to do more commercial stuff. Commercial kind of takes a different um, kind of skill set and takes some more investment into starting up real estate around that and, you know, really being able to sell commercial properties effectively, you've got to, you know, be paying for like CoStar and LoopNet and all these big, like expensive monthly things. So that kind of, I don't know, that wasn't really the direction I ended up going. I've just been lucky to be able to pick up a bunch of friends that, you know, are at you know, in your thirties, everybody's kind of in these life directions and changing. And so, you know, I think I was just kind of right at the sweet spot for where a bunch of my friends were like, well, now we're looking to settle down. Now we want to find a house. Well, my friend just bought a house, so maybe we should buy a house. <laughs> oh, we want to be in that neighborhood too. And I mean, this market for real estate has been, the last couple of years has just really? been crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a good time to be a realtor too. So, I mean, it helped you when it came to this commercial deal? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I would say it Were was- Were you able to negotiate your own deal because of it? Completely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was, I had had a, you know, experience going through a couple other transactions and, you know, so I just went and was like, you know, the second we heard this thing potentially coming available, I was like, here is an offer. Here's your offer. It's on the table. It's right here. It's fair. It's a good offer. You're probably not going to get much more than that, but I'm willing to be able to, you know, 
had the foundational issues been resolved at that point or did you buy it with nope. the foundational yeah, issues? Yeah, we bought it with the we bought it with the issues in place. So that's another thing that I guess I've kind of picked up in part of this is a little bit of now I've got a little bit of environmental engineering background from uh, having to kind of like really jump in and learn how to make this stuff happen because I had honestly had no idea what I was doing. Um, I'd say that's one of the biggest things throughout this whole process has been I feel like I've kind of tripped over and maybe made every mistake or learned everything you can learn along the way through this. Yeah. Um, you know, we got into it. We found out about the foundation. Uh, it wasn't unfixable by any stretch of the imagination. It just kind of took some coordination and some big planning and that kind of stuff. And so we hopped into it. The Honestly, the easiest proce- part of this entire process was uh, fixing the foundation. That was easy. Really? Yeah. I can plug foundation professionals in, in Lake City. They came in and went <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Three weeks later, the foundation's good to go. So why don't you think that the previous gym like fixed, like got it resolved? Well, I mean, so one of that, I think, I think the biggest issue with that is it's kind of, you know, sometimes people's lives sort of go different directions. They, I think what happened um, is they kind of got involved in it or they, they saw that there was the issue. They started doing the research and then it kind of seemed like there was as much of like a landlord tenant dispute over who should do this and who should do what. And then there was also, I know some other confounding factors that just made it take longer and longer and longer. And this is something I've kind of seen. Yeah. And it's something you kind of see every now and then with entrepreneurs hopping into things where, you know, if you're not in what I would say is like one of the right life situations to be able to do that. I mean, to be able to ride six months without income and still support a family and still support everything going on, that can get very, very stressful for a lot of people. So I think after after kind of a while, they just said, you know, all right, I'm moving on, going on with my life. I've got to do what I want to do. And, you know, for them, I think it was a little less of a, they kind of got into it, got into the business and then started to love climbing and where, you know, for me, the passion didn't fuel it. Right. Yeah. And so after a while you kind of lose that. And I mean, it's, it's hard enough as a business to work in your passion, you know, yeah, where you're there all day long and it's like, Oh man, I'm here for 12 hours today. <laughs> Do I want to spend another three, four hours here just having fun? I mean, it's, you know, it can be a little challenging even with things that you absolutely love and have dedicated your life to. So, so you're obviously passionate about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> has it, like, I guess my, my perspective of it was, it was kind of like a side hustle. That was my perspective, which is obviously not the case at all. Right. <laughs> so like, how have you made this work as a primary hustle, really getting it off the ground? I mean, you opened, you opened this year, right? At the beginning mm-hmm. of this year, we're still kind of in this in whole the pandemic. Middle of the pandemic. It's like, you know, all of this craziness, right? I mean, just how have you made it work so far? Have you been able to get a lot of memberships? Yeah. You know, what's, I mean, what's been the process of just getting it launched, I guess? Well, so, I mean, I, I do have to say, you know, one of the things I'm, I've been very, very lucky for, um, I don't know, I always like to look at what my privilege is. Um, I think that's something, you know, we need to spend more time nowadays thinking about. And I was very lucky to, uh, I guess lucky isn't always the right word, but my family, I, I came from a family that had some money and then, you know, father passed and then grandfather passed. And so there was, 
I had access to capital that I think a lot of other people didn't have access to. So I was kind of able to support myself a little bit through that and through the real estate thing kind of turning on. And that kind of, that really changed things. I mean, the weird thing is that, you know, were it not for my father and grandfather passing, this would not have happened at all. So, you know, there's so much of what this is like they were, they were, you know, my biggest cheerleaders to begin with too. And so, you know, them knowing that they helped make this thing happen, it would be very, you know, very good for them. And it was really a huge integral part of the story. They were the ones that kind of pushed me. Hey, I know you've got this crazy idea. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Keep trying to figure it out. Keep going through it. We'll, we'll do all this. And so it really became a story of just keep going, just keep swimming. You know, I mean, it was everything. I'm lucky I live a generally pretty cheap life. I have a nice little little house that I own that I don't have a lot of expensive bills and everything. And so I feel like it was kind I, I was kind of in that perfect situation to be able to just ride it out, ride it out, ride it out. Because, you know, I knew I knew that Gainesville had climbing. I knew that people wanted climbing. I knew that climbing was in the Olympics and was getting more and more exciting. And I knew that, you know, a lot of people would find, a lot of people do find value in climbing. Like it brings so much to people from a, just a confidence standpoint, physical standpoint, community standpoint that I I knew it was going to do well. I didn't know how well it was going to do, which that's been surprising. Um, but yeah, so we kind of were going through this and it was kind of a slow process. Um, we, at one point, uh, so to, I guess to add a little bit more to this, at one point we also went through the process uh, securing an SBA loan on, on you know, buying the real estate and doing all the renovations on the inside that we wanted to do to modernize the building, make it a little more kind of update what climbing is because you know if you'd been in the other climbing gym you kind of knew that it was like a you know kind of foot smelling place and it was kind of a dank you know kind of dark area and it wasn't really as open and inviting as a lot of climbing gyms are nowadays so it was really important for us to go through we did a bunch of renovations to make it a little more i don't know accessible if you will um make it so that people like like to be there. Um, and then beyond that, uh, so we were going through the process. Um, we had Joiner Construction came in and did renovations for us. I can't speak to as, I guess I don't know how to say as highly recommend them as possible because they, they just stayed on everything. And I know without them, it would have been a nightmare. I've, I've seen enough of these construction processes become nightmares and we even ran into consistent issues and consistent hurdles through it. But, you know, having that kind of support was a big help. Um, so we went through, we did the renovations. Um, we were, I guess, let me back up a little bit. One of the interesting parts is that, you know, we had kind of gone through all these hurdles. We had organized bank financing for one thing. And then we get a contractor involved and we're like, Hey, how much is this going to cost? And our bid came back a whole lot more than we were expecting. So we go to that bank and we're like, Hey, can we get more? Can we get more? And they're like, <laughs> Nope. And so that was like, Oh crap. Here's another, we've got to go figure out how we're going through this. We've got to 
go apply to other banks. Went back, applied to another bank. And, you know, if you're going through the SBA process, it always takes, I mean, it's usually a month to three months to get a relationship with a bank. To Was that to, for the real estate itself? Uh, we were lucky because we were able to do both. Okay. So the biggest part that So we're able to like, yeah, the, I guess that's kind of where I'm going is, you know, you have all these like remodels and upgrades you want to do to the equipment where you're able to kind of like wrap it into this whole loan yep. for the mortgage and that kind of thing. Yeah. So okay. that was the biggest thing that made this happen. And, you know, something I, I've tried to talk to other people who are doing these types of businesses that are, um, for us, the real estate is the most important thing. I can think of three, four climbing gyms even just in Florida and around the country that they closed solely because of landlord tenant issues, not yeah. because of not because there wasn't a successful business. Well, it's in not it. like an easy business to move. Right. I mean, no. if you if you go in there and you spend all this time and money, you know, creating these awesome rock climbing walls and then you have a disagreement or you have to move. I mean, it's exactly. a pain in the butt if not impossible. And yeah. that's that's kind of that's a little bit of what happened to the other gym was that they, you know, you can't just pick up these walls and move, move them to some else. other location and it be fine. Um it takes a lot of work to make that happen. So you've what, really got to nail that part down. Was that process of going through that I always heard like SBA loans and stuff like really long, very yeah, tedious a, process. Was that your experience too? Yeah, it's about as invasive as going to a very, very thorough physical. I mean, they ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. They ask you everything. You have to fill out multiple forms. They ask you. That's you funny. know, you've got to put everything on the line. You've got to you know do all of this stuff. Answer tons and tons of questions. I mean, for us, if it weren't for the real estate this wouldn't have happened. You know, the bank, banks don't like to, when you're going through the SBA process, like the banks don't like to lend on, especially if you're a new startup business, one, they don't like to lend to new on startup business. Yeah. yeah, nobody <laughs> lends on hopes and dreams. Um, and so, you know, that was a strike against us was that we were didn't have enough really experience, but throughout this process, we kind of realized that, well, okay, I think we got a good deal on this real estate. I think if we renovate the building and do that, the building is going to be a good piece of equipment, a good, strong equity building tool for us. And the needs for us, that were, it was very lucky because there was already a gym there. So our initial rebuild and equipment costs were, were not insane. I mean, we're not nearly as much as they would be if we were trying to build Start a up. Yeah, full ground up brand new wall system and that stuff. So we went and, you know, we spent... We spent a bunch of time, uh, Mitch and I spent about three weeks jamming out to Steely Dan and repainting all of these walls <laughs> in here ourselves and talking in British accents and probably annoying and freaking out everybody else who came into the place, just how weird we were getting with it. But, you know, it was... Uh, so, the, the effect of startup life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you want to bootstrap something, yeah. So, I mean, you said that you know, you were actually surprised at how well it was going. I mean, what's that, what's that based on? I mean, yeah. just, I'm sure memberships or like, mm -hmm. did you guys set some original goals out the get? You're like, all right, like we want to hit 
X number of memberships. What does a membership look like? How much does it cost? Please answer every question in one. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, so right now, right now our memberships are sixty-five a month. Okay. Um, how do you? How did you price that? Uh, so. We actually had UF's MBA program do a pricing model for us. Okay. We had enough time going through this whole thing and the whole startup process that uh, we got involved with Gator Nest and um, they were a huge help. And so we had them kind of do some pricing. We had some thoughts about you know where we needed to be and kind of looked at everything. I mean, we landed on the 65. 65 is about is the minimum that we need to be at just to make kind of a functioning business happen. Um, and that's where, you know, that's where they thought the market would, would work and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a bit of research behind that. Um, but so I guess as far as why it's been so successful or what has constituted success for us, we're not officially open yet. We haven't had our official grand opening. We quietly opened in February. Um, two text messages were sent out, one of them to the UF OAR group, I believe, and the other one to some other people who worked at REI. And what does stand for? REI, um, Recreational Equipment Incorporated. And you said OAR? Uh, I believe that's. I'm not 100% sure what that one is. It's US, UF. Yeah, Outdoor Adventure okay. Recreation, okay. something like that. Um, there, The OAR is what, I believe, what Trip transitioned to, but you want to check that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, UF Rec Groups is what it was, so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, when we were there, it was Trip, and then now I believe it's OAR, and you can, like, rent gear and stuff with that. Very cool. With them there. Okay. Um, it was, yeah, so we sent out two text messages uh, we quietly, I quietly let one of my buddies, he was there during construction and we were still trying to figure out stuff. And I was kind of, he kept showing up and had kept bugging me every single day. And so I was finally like, all right, I think we have our computer system set up. So now we can charge somebody. You're here all the time. We're going to charge. You. All right. We're going to start charging <laughs> you. And he's like, yeah, all right. I'm member one. And that's cool. You know, so he's super excited about that. Um, and then, uh, from there it just, Snowballed. I mean, we were getting person Just after person mouth. after word person, of- complete word of mouth. Um, and one of the things that I think has been an interesting, you know, we were, we were because of COVID and everything, we were really hesitant to start trying to cram as many people into the place as possible. Sure. You know, you got to be responsible with it nowadays and you got to make sure you're approaching everything with some intention and thought. Even and so, when we put 90,000 students into, a, or 90,000 people into a stadium, still uh, feel that way? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not my choice. Those aren't, I don't have to make those choices, no comment. Okay. So, um, but you know, for this, we, were, we wanted to grow slowly. We didn't wanna, I really wanted to make sure that, you know, because we've got, we've gotta get people trained on ropes. I knew there was a, a critical mass of people that already wanted to do this, yeah. that I wanted to like, slowly grow our business. I didn't want to come in and, you know, hit the ground running and get as many people in as possible. We had too many things with being too new of a business. And basically we had set up projections for the SBA and we were like, all right, here's, here's what we need to hit our, our goals. Here's where we think we can get to three years down the road. Fast forward 
Can you give us any specifics? Uh, not yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the most specific I can say, the most specific I'd like to say right now is that, you know, we had, we had our goals for the SBA and we and hit our three year goal in about four months. Good for you guys. It was That's crazy. awesome. Yeah. And it's been, it's been escalating since. I mean, we That's are crazy. Yeah. We are in. Honestly, we're in like desperate need of a new facility, desperate need of something bigger. No. Yeah, and I am already starting. I have I, I have ideas, but yeah, we are we really are in desperate need. And so when I when yeah, I say it, that, does it? I mean, but do you have a fear of it that being like a honeymoon period? You know, like it's like okay, it's brand new, it's exciting, everybody's on it. Like, but doesn't it come down a little bit at some point? Yeah, or? we have we have fluctuations. Um, I think. Honestly, no, I'm not really worried about it being a honeymoon period. Okay. I've already kind of done the demographic research for what I think Gainesville could do as far as climbing gyms and taking Gainesville and compared it to other cities, compared it to other places like uh, Boise, Idaho is almost exactly um, similar to Gainesville as far as demographics concerned. Uh, they have, and just to be clear, like I wasn't trying to be like a Debbie Downer or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I'm just like, oh man, before you start like looking for more places and like growth, you know, because I it's, you get so excited, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Grow, 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 and it's like, okay, okay, but like maybe we should. Baby, it sounds like you've done a good job of baby stepping it this far. It's like I, I don't want to see it get tripped up. With no, no, success, no. Yeah, you know? I I appreciate that, and I understand <laughs> that. I just. You know, we've done some of the research for the next phase already to kind of see where we're at. And I mean, I, I realistically think there's a much, much bigger gym out there. And we have a lot of a lot of goals and a lot of things that we'd like to see this business be able to do that we can't do in this size of facility. Um, one of the big things with climbing is that it's it's a social it's a social activity as much as it is a fitness activity mm-hmm. um and you know even the ent- entertainment part we're not super hey come just do this one time and then never do it again it's kind of that's that's where you know for us we're, a lot of what we do is managing risk train people appropriately get them learning how to you know how to be comfortable in the place but we uh we did the research and i think there's you know especially with climbing being in the olympics now and the community aspect of it, it becomes for a lot of people, and this is what it was for me, and this is what it was for a lot of my friends during the time that I was, you know, gave up on everything else and more or less moved into the climbing gym. I mean, it becomes your, that concept of third space. I mean, it really is. It's where all your friends end up. It's where you can just randomly go and it's kind of one of the few things where you can hang out with with people in Gainesville that you feel zero pressure to be drinking at honestly and so it's kind of it mixes a lot of things and it brings together a really crazy mix of people and one of the things that that opens us up for is being able to be a community service organization as much mm-hmm. as anything um, trying to figure out how we get people who otherwise couldn't afford a $65 a month climbing gym membership into the gym because, you know, as, as great as, as it is that, you know, some people can come in and get a really good workout. There's kids out there that maybe, you know, like in the guardian ad litem program that are, you know, kind of stuck between life situations and those life situations are really stressful and really heavy. And climbing is so engaging of a sport 
you put a kid up on a rope and you get them climbing, they're not thinking about anything like that. They get a chance to be free from some of that. Yeah. Some of my friends, when we were going through the gym, their parents were, you know, going through divorces and stuff like that, or they were through, you know, in unstable families and, and things like that. And so a climbing gym gets to be your escape from all of that. And you get to be around all these people. And, you know, that's a big part of what our mission and goal for this business is. We're just running into a situation where we're at capacity so many times, so many nights a week now that we don't know how to fit more people in. We don't know how to do the good that we want to be able to do otherwise. Mm. And, you know, that's 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 a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a good challenge. challenge. You know, it's, a, it's a great problem to have, though, right? I, <laughs> mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, when you have too much business and things are going too well, it's like, all right, uh, that's definitely a great problem to have. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been trying, we've really tried to manage it as much as we can. I don't know if you've seen these situations or I, my internet marketing bra- background kind of, I don't know, they hammered into the idea of me that when you're trying to chop down a tree, I think this is an Abraham Lincoln thing. When you're trying to chop down a tree and you've got four hours to do it, you spend your first hour sharpening the ax, you know, so that you get that, get that right and capture everything and make sure you're doing the best you can with it instead of just, you know, kind of blindly promoting and just saying, all right, Hey, let's get as many people as we can and just whacking it away, whacking away at a, at a tree with a dull blade and not making any progress. Is that the quote? I feel like the quote is something along the lines of if you have four hours, you're spending like the first three hours. Sharpening. Yeah. Three hours seems like a lot of time to <laughs> sharpen an ax. Can we, can we get a check on that quote? <laughs> yeah. An Abe Lincoln quote? Uh, but yeah, like that, that's, I think that's the point is that you're not gonna, you're, you're going to spend more time sharpening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And our, our, you know, for us, the, the, climbing experience all right and if you only had an hour to chop down a tree i would spend the first 45 minutes sharpening my axe. okay so if yeah. you only had an hour if you only had an hour to chop down a tree you're going to spend the first 45 minutes sharpening, sharpening the axe yeah yeah so that is powerful yeah and so for us the way that that mike way and that, i here are taking four hours to chop down yeah. a tree obviously yeah. everybody well, we could, it ain't coming down in an hour i'm telling <laughs> you that right now yeah we should probably spend more time working out <laughs> uh, that's i mean i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you no off. no but yeah i mean for so for us it was really important to try and make sure that that you know we're giving people a good membership experience trying to give people value within it and not just having people walk in and everybody look at them with like deer in the headlights like uh we don't know what to do with these 900 people that are here that are like oh we all need something right now how do we handle this and that and this and that yeah so but is there those opportunities for me to like could i expose my kids to climbing for the first time and bring them in for a one-time session is this kind of stuff available or will it be available or because you're at capacity you're like nope we're at all yeah, the memberships we have. That's kind of the hard part is that, you know, we're, we, we've looked at the model a little bit differently or been trying to do something a little bit different with the model, experimenting with it. We have, all of our members have a guest pass and all of our members can get $10 bonus passes. So because climbing is, you know, requires some training to be able to get in and do the ropes and stuff like that. We would really prefer for people to come with a member. We really promote come with a member. And when we did our, when we did our research, about 80% of people are already getting into climbing with a member. And so, you know, I think that, I think it kind of like 
serves a lot of our bigger mission for it to be a community oriented place so that people aren't just walking in and have no idea, no point of reference, no frame of reference for what they're doing, nobody to ask questions to. But if you bring if you bring a friend, you're like, oh, hey, what is this? What am I doing? What is this thing? Because there's all kinds of like little things on you know, how to, how to not just look like a brand new person. Cause nobody wants to be that brand new person when they're doing stuff. I don't know if you've ever tried to like go skiing or snowboarding, but like that first day on the mountain, if you just try and go is like <laughs> yeah. the most painful experience. And so we're trying to make that a better experience for people. It's the most painful later that night too. Yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to recover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the plane ride home and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is really interesting stuff, man. So tell me, you know, Besides, like the capacity issues, the the quick growth. I mean, as much of a challenge as that is, and a great challenge, right? I mean, what what else has you know through this journey of startup life, entrepreneurship has just really stood out as you know being this prominent prominent challenge that you've had to face? Um, I think I think honestly, some of the biggest challenges have been maintaining some of that personal motivation within things going through this process. I mean, this, we hit all kinds of things during this. In that time, uh, my father died going through this process. He had uh, pretty serious cancer, and so there was a whole cancer treatment going on. And then the next year, same January the next year, my grandfather got sick and he, he passed that year. Um, Mitch during this process. I mean, it's he got he got married during this process and then had a new baby during the process right around when we were start right before we were starting construction and then they had some other, you know, family member illnesses and stuff and so, you know, maintaining maintaining that psych and motivation for an ideal through all of these challenges and all of these hurdles has definitely been kind of like a big theme. I mean, I'll keep saying, you know, just keep swimming has been like our kind of mantra throughout all of this. Was there anything that you were doing to to kind of help with that? Um, you know, like, I don't know if you meditate or you a like- A little bit of meditation, a little bit of running, and then a lot, a lot of- climbing. <laughs> a uh, lot of climbing. Honestly, not at all. Really? You know? Yeah, that was, that was kind of the hard, one of the hardest parts was that, you know, without there already being a climbing gym here, I didn't really have a place. Yeah, I didn't really have my outlet for it. And I know, you know, I knew there were so many other people with that same kind of like lack of an outlet and stuff. But <laughs> I don't know. It was just really one of these things that um, I don't know. When you get into climbing, and one of the things people see nowadays is they've seen the, the movie Free Solo with Alex Honnold, where he starts climbing. Yosemite or climbing El Cap in Yosemite and it's about a 3,000 I think it's about 3,000 foot cliff and he climbs it without a rope and one of the things if you're doing that kind of climbing you really have to know you're going to get to the top you have to be committed you're 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 I mean and especially for us once once we had kind of gotten to a certain point there was no other option for us than to just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Because, you know, I mean, as crazy as it is, no matter how hard it is during the climb, eventually it's going to get easier. Eventually you're going to get to the top. Eventually you get over all of these crazy hurdles, all these crazy things that have kind of like stopped it from just already kind of running and being a process. And I mean, 
knock on wood, you know, whatever, I, I actually really finally feel like we're, we've like kind of started to crest that top and we've kind of started to see like, wow, okay, this is a business that people really like. I mean, they've responded really well to it. Um, we've finally checked off one of our last big construction projects, which was, you know, we suddenly had to install a sprinkler system in a building that (laughs) was already during a business while we were running. Just to get it to code? Uh, Was that a code thing or no? uh, Yeah, it was code. Fire sprinkler is Mm -hmm. what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was to get it to code, but it was because, you know, in me not knowing what I was doing, I didn't think to ask the company we bought a new wall from whether or not this new wall was fire rated. Mm. And it turns out it wasn't. And we had to do all the testing and we had to figure that out. And so, you know, the only real way for us to not have to spend a bunch of money taking something out and just throwing away a ton of wood and a ton of paint and a ton of time and effort was to just put a sprinkler system in instead. It was going to (laughs) be not much more expensive, but was about as expensive, you know, a little bit more expensive. So won't make that that mistake again, will you? Nope. (laughs) Nope. And that's, I guess that's the benefit, right? I mean, you always hear about like the, the small failures throughout the process and like, you're never going to make that mistake again. You're going to remember this experience and you'll learn from it. And I think every entrepreneur can relate to that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I've never heard an entrepreneur that hasn't hit hurdle after hurdle. Um, I once heard it uh, described as the trough of sorrow, where initially there's this like, you know, everybody's super excited about the idea and everything's going great and you think it's going to work. And that's where we were, you know, three years ago. I had this big vision of this huge gym that was just everything to everybody and was perfect. And I was so excited about it. And then going through research, realized that's not really feasible. Uh, That's not really going to work. Okay. So maybe we're down here and like, then you kind of you crest that peak and then you start going towards the trough where it's like man is this actually ever going to be a thing is this something that's going to happen when is this going to happen i have no idea i don't know is there even a timeline for it i mean i'm committed i'm doing this and then you're just dealing with the trough and you're dealing with it and you're dealing with it and you're dealing with it and dealing with it and then you sort of start to see these little glimmers of like, oh, yeah. oh, wow. OK, we we were we were really lucky because we right when there was that lull in covid last year in sometime in the springtime, we call up the bank. You know, they had put us on pause because they're like, are you even going to be able to run a business? And so that lull came in and we're like, hey, let me pitch you on Gainesville. Gainesville's going to do really well during this. It's a tech market. It's got a lot of healthcare. It's got a lot of students, blah, 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 blah. And then they were like, all right, cool. We'll let you go. And then they let us get started on construction. And that's where I felt like we started climbing out of the trough. It's like, wow, wow, this is going to be a real thing. This is going to be a thing. And then you know, obviously things went the way they did. And so, you know, we finally got up that trough and then there's a little bit more like, oh, uh oh, uh oh, this is still some work. And then, you know, now it feels like we're kind of getting through that. And I think the only thing that has really helped is just, I don't know, being committed to the idea and just saying, this is what, this is what I'm doing. That's great. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like basically end it on that note, man, because I think, you know, in, in the game of entrepreneurship, yeah, it, it reminds me of a saying one of my best friends has always just put in my ear. And it was like, "Hey, to get to the next, uh, to get to the top of the next mountain, you got to go through the next valley." 
yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, it, I mean, it's exactly what you just said, right? And I think in the game of entrepreneurship, you're always going to have that. You're going to have the ups and the downs and you just got to hang on to that why. Like, why did you get into it? What's your purpose? Like, what's the mission behind it? And just hold on to that yeah. and just keep persevering through, right? Yeah, very Which is much way so. easier said than done a lot of the time. So I, I know from much. experience of going through this pandemic myself in this business, but... Uh, yeah. But yeah, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Colin. It's super thanks cool for having hearing me. about the business, man. I, I look forward to uh, seeing the next location. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, We're I got an idea. Already, like thinking it through. Oh, I got an idea, uh, but we'll see if to, that happens. <laughs> to checking it out, man. So tell our audience where they can connect with you, where they can find you guys on social media or website, whatever. Yeah. Well, so that's been the crazy thing. We haven't really been posting much on social media. Uh, we've kept super quiet. That's, I know this is kind of circling back, but I've been amazed by how much people seem to love to be able to be somebody that shares information with people. Um, If you want to follow us, we're going to be back on social media soon. We're going to start showing what's going on in the gym. We're on climbthenot.com. Our Instagram is at climbthenot, facebook.com slash climbthenot. Really quick, where did you come up with the name? Uh, so that was a buddy and I, John Rager, who was one of the most integral people. He's the guy that pushed me to getting to this. But the knot represents a couple things for us. It's one, it's kind of the most important thing. If you're on a rope, you got to make sure that knot is tied correctly. But it's also kind of symbolic to the community of climbing. And it's like all these people interwoven together and, and that kind of stuff. And so we felt like it really fit with the, the community and climbing perspective. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I was like, we were kind of, Sarah and I were kind of talking about that before, before yeah. the show. I was like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know like knots are important when it comes to climbing, but like, is it the most vital part? Or like, I didn't know. So I yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Yeah, it's thanks, Colin. And thank you to James Leitner, Sarah Lynz, who's finally back. You guys, she's been gone all summer. She's finally back. And to our new intern team, Trinity, Gianna, and Noah, for all of your hard work. Super grateful for you guys. And podcast fam, remember, you can find all the links to our incredible sponsors at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. And we drop a link in the show notes of this episode. So definitely uh, check that out. You guys, we got to get special love this episode to my friends over at The Best Restoration. You guys, I cannot say enough great things about Jorge and the team at The Best Restoration. They have been a supporter of this show all year long. You have to have friends on your side when those disasters happen, when that toilet overflows and when that pipe bursts in the wall, or if you're like us and you move into a building that is full of mold, uh, definitely hit up the best restoration. I can speak firsthand to the quality of their work. They've helped us out here at the dealership so many times. With their certified techs and state-of-the-art equipment, these guys are the masters of disaster. Give them a call at 352-505-3321. That's 352- 5505-3321 or visit them at thebestrestoration.com and when you call them be sure to say I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa whoa <laughs> we will see you later bye <laughs> <laughs>